1: Blue
2: wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host Nick Bellotto. Today we are here to do a draft profile that so many have been calling for. It was probably the last one of the major prospects that the Giants might take with the 11th overall pick that we hadn't covered. You date all the way back, you'll find quitty you Pay. find players like that you may be like, yeah, I don't remember them doing. Nope, nope, we did them. Just dig back through that podcast feed. I promise you, you might you might enjoy him. You might not. Who knows? I think you will. But today is Devonte Smith, and I don't think it could come at a better time. Or should I say Devonta Smith, as Nick likes to call him?
3: Yeah, it would be Devonta.
2: I'm pretty sure it's Devonte Smith with an mm. A. Potato, and, potato. I mean, first of all, you ref, you normally refer to him as Devonta Smith. Let's yes. be honest. Yes, it's there's Deva- certainly not a U in this name.
3: Yeah, you know what? And I'm willing to concede that the Devonta <sighs> right, is a little God. aggressive, but Devonta is the actual name. It's not Devonte. I think
2: it's Devonte Smith. I think every guy, every guy with an A at the end of their Devonte or their, you know, usually it's Devonte. You'll see it, Devonte Freeman. It's you'll Devonta see, Freeman. I'm pretty sure it's Devonte Freeman. The spelling
3: with Devonta Freeman and Devonte Adams. So you think Adams if, you think if it,
2: okay, so you think if it was Devonte? There would be an E at the end of this name. It would be the spelt the way that
3: Devonte Adams is.
2: Not every Devonte like spells his name.
3: Dante, you're right. You're right. Of course, but Dante, the name <laughs> ends in an E. Yeah, in the the, the,
2: but let's talk about Devonte Smith, because I think it could come at a better time when you have, well, I guess, Giants beat reporter. I'm not sure who he's working with now, but Matt Lombardo, who said that, according to his sources, Dave Gettleman, Giants general manager, is enamored with Devonte Smith. That, obviously, it's draft season. Take every single draft report you hear with a grain of salt. Please, please make sure you do that. But... This one surprised me because like I said in, what, January, February, this was my pick. This was the guy I said, not who I would take. This was the guy I said, ultimately, I think the Giants will take. He has everything Gettleman's looking for. The off-field stuff. He's an amazing character. He's incredible—they say he's the hardest worker on the team. They say he's unbelievable when it comes to knowing coverages and being that type of guy, the guy who has every note on every single team and coverage he faces. He's got the Heisman pedigree. He's got the production. He's got the snaps. He's got tons of, you know, uh what's it called? Just experience playing at a high level in a high conference. So to me, this always made a lot of sense as a Gettleman favorite. Ultimately we'll see if he's there for the Giants. We'll see if they do like him as much as it seems on paper. But aside from that report from Matt Lombardo, Nick, let's dive into just the player, what you saw on film, what you saw strengths and weaknesses. Let's break down the prospect then we'll start to talk about maybe his fit with the Giants if it's something that we think will happen etc etc so let's start there give me the strengths in Devonte Smith's game after breaking him down on film
3: Danny's good man he's good and that slim reaper name is just a really good moniker for him I mean the guy is just a baller through and through and you talked about his competitiveness and that's something that we've heard about so much you would love to hear that in a player very very Joe Judgey and Dave Gettleman but he- in terms of his skill set, man, he's a long strider who doesn't take too many steps to change direction on those tight breaks. He's just so smooth with his hips and his movements in and out of breaks. And kind of the big talk around Smith is his weight and his ability to defeat press. And while it's disingenuous to say that his weight shouldn't concern people at all, it's also something in terms of press that just never really came up on film. He was actually really good against press. And Smith, I mean, he just has a really diverse and extensive release package at the line of scrimmage, and he just doesn't give corners aligned and press a clean shot at his chest whatsoever i mean he's excellent at getting horizontal or skinny around jam attempts at the line much like we've kind of talked about on the podcast about pass rushers how they kind of reduce the surface area of their chest to eliminate the blocker's ability to gain access to their chest smith does the same thing as a receiver against the jam and it's very difficult for corners to know how smith is going to release and enter into his stem Smith employs a variety of releases to avoid contact and put himself into an advantageous position. He can hit a corner with a one-step or a stretch type of release, has a nasty two-step release, fires his feet well at the line of scrimmage, keeping corners guessing and uncertain, employed a nasty squirt type of release when you kind of threaten the DB laterally to the outside, and then come back inside once that corner's back is turned and his hips are committed. It's something that just Smith, he just loves his release package. It's something that you need to do in the NFL is win right off the snap because you have, what, seconds, seconds to win in the NFL. And he did that at a high level in the SEC, and I think that's going to be something that translates to the NFL now before
2: we move on from that i want to talk a little bit about that because i think it's interesting i think a lot of people look at smith on paper and they say this is a guy who has to kick inside to the slot they also say that this is a guy whose size is going to make it so he can't win in these man coverage situations on the outside which is why he's going to have to kick inside to the slot the next level but is that necessarily true like you just broke it all down and when you're watching the film, the size is no issue when it comes to beating pre- the, the coverage because he's using his feet and he's using his releases and he's using his nuances. And then, when you listen to somebody like Eric Crocker, who actually we're hoping to get on the show at some point, and we very well might, former NFL player, he's doing a lot of film breakdowns on Twitter. Those of you who might have stumbled into him, I heard him on a podcast recently where he was like, If I'm looking at this class, I have Devontae Smith as my clear cut 1 1 because. He's literally the guy who, if I was out there on an island playing cornerback, I would least want to match up against. Because if you mess up at the line of scrimmage against him, he's turning it into a touchdown. He's getting so much separation. So is this really as much of an issue as people like? I feel like almost people say it's an issue, but they don't really use any insight as to why other than oh it's his size
3: absolutely and i think the size i think you can look at the size and say yeah you don't want necessarily somebody who's sub 170 being a wide receiver taking hits from 230 pound linebackers that's not something you necessarily want but in terms of the whole getting off press thing, yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw a stat a while back, and I can't necessarily recall if it was PFF or what, but I believe Smith has been the best at defeating press over like the last two seasons. And I don't know if that can be dug up somewhere, but it translates to his tape from what I've seen on his tape. He can get off the line of scrimmage. And there was a play against jc horn where smith released inside and automatically man he just started to lean and challenge the leverage of jc horn smith kind of effectively dipped that outside shoulder into horn to set up his inside break and then he explodes at the top of his break it was about seven yards down the field on a post stopping the momentum of horn at the break because he's leaning into him kind of creating that subtle uh, subtle separation, you know, hits him with that little flipper that's never going to get called whatsoever, and then he just positions himself really well to enter into that break and just totally stop the momentum of J.C. Horn. I believe the play ended up going for a touchdown, too. I mean, his ability to create separation athletically and just with nuance is exceptional. It really is. I mean, yes, you can point to the fact that Jalen Waddle's injury kind of led to him blowing up and if Jalen Waddle never got injured then Devonta Smith would have never had this Heisman Trophy season well guess what Jalen Waddle got injured man right Jalen Waddle got injured and Devonta Smith kind of put the team on his back along with Mac Jones and led that offense along with obviously Najee Harris not going to minimalize him whatsoever but Devonta Smith is the real deal dude he really is.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting I say that because I remember speaking with John Ledyard about the edge class, and this was off the pod because once we stopped recording, we were talking about, you know, where the Giants might go, where the Bucks might go in this draft. And when we mentioned Devontae, I remember he said something to the nature of, oh, where do they see Shepard? Almost as if, like, you know, will they see Devontae as a slot guy? But I feel like i really believe this is somebody who can win it on the outside the more i look into it it was a concern of mine early on just because he is 170 he's like you don't see 170 pound receivers in the nfl and he's like and if you look at that picture there's a picture that was circulating i think of him around the time he won the heisman like doing some kind of media thing or something like that or it was in him in his hotel room and he really didn't look like an nfl player like his body his frame is really really slight. I guess is the best way to describe it. But, like, how much of that actually matters when this is a guy who's a 96.1 grade, according to Pro Football Focus versus man coverage? Like, it doesn't really... It didn't matter at the collegiate level against SEC guys. And you mentioned J.C. Horn. He... Some people think J.C. Horn is the best corner in the in the draft. And otherwise, he was going up against... Pratt In practice, day, day after day after day against maybe the best cornerback in the class, Patrick Sertan. So he has the... It's not like he didn't do... It's not like he faced... I feel like I'd have this concern more if he was like one of these um, Conference USA-type prospects who's going against those type of corners week after week. But he's going against SEC guys. It's the closest you're going to get, I think, to NFL-level talent there.
3: Yeah, I agree with you, and I mean, I think a concern. I guess we'll just get into it now. Yeah, let's get into organic. the concerns That's fine. Well, I still have more I want to talk about with his route running. but okay. His concern would be like if he didn't win at the line of scrimmage against a really good cornerback on the outside, could that corner kind of use a little bit of physicality yeah, to push right. him off the red line and towards the sideline? And I think that's a concern that you can definitely say, and, and you know, you have to kind of bring it into the fold and be like, is that a concern? We didn't necessarily see that all yeah, that I often. Say, did you see that on in film? college? No, no, you don't necessarily okay. see that all that often in college. There were times where he actually played through contact and you're like see yeah he's skinny but he played Pretty through that person. there were other times where he didn't have the leverage or the angle and, and didn't necessarily work out as well but it wasn't something that was prevalent in his tape especially for somebody who is what, what was he playing at maybe 170 Probably, 160 yeah. <laughs> you know and i kind of want to talk about his route running because i think in the scouting community and just in general talking about players just saying oh you know he's a good route runner it's kind of viewed as like a cop out of sorts but like smith He really has nuance and understanding on how to run routes and when to execute his breaks. He's incredibly good in this area and he just knows how to take advantage of good cornerbacks leverage. Like I said JC Horn and he wins because he's just so quick and so smooth so quick in and out of those breaks creating very good separation athletically. Like I said he sets up his routes well. He sells his routes well. He varies his route tempo and consistently stresses defenders who are forced to cover him because they don't know what speed he's going to employ. They don't know when he's going to break. They don't know whether to bite on his subtle head fake and shoulder turn and once the cornerback's feet and hips get directed in a direction bye-bye if you guess wrong you're screwed so smith really puts a lot of stress on these defenders with those subtleties of of running routes and he's just incredibly smart as well man just a very aware type of receiver i mean (laughs) you got he has his head on a swivel you know he, he his ball skills are tremendous you get the ball in space with a devonta smith he, you could see, like, just on tape, he's always looking to see, oh, where, where's the next defender coming? His spatial awareness is incredibly, yeah. incredibly good. And I haven't even really talked about his catching ability. The guy is incredibly sure handed. He plays much bigger than his frame and even his height, and he's about six foot one. So th- there's a lot to love about this player. And I understand the concerns. It's not conventional, it's somewhat of an outlier. But I do believe that he can be, like, a solid Z rec- or a good Z receiver in the NFL. And that's kind of a move type of receiver. You can bring him off the line of scrimmage, and you can move him around pre-snap and get him set up with uh, mismatches or anything like that he can play on the boundary if he has to he's not the prototypical type of X receiver on the line of scrimmage but i do think he has the release package to avoid getting dominated uh, by press coverage which is something that the giants could have used last year to be honest because
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: against vance joseph they were dominated by press coverage right. they really were so uh, i i really like this player uh, he's i mean we'll get into my rankings wide receiver rankings a little later but i, I do believe that you know he's a heisman trophy winner and he played like it and there shouldn't be if he's a first round pick or if the giants go in that direction it's not something that people should just you know throw a fit about or anything
2: i would like say it. the opposite i think people yeah. should celebrate he's a player who i've come around to big time i think Part of the Smith deal is overthink—not overthinking it, but there is a lot of overthinking, I think, when it comes to Smith, when you see a player who's such an outlier. And, yeah, he would—if he succeeds—like, I posted a tweet about this earlier in this draft season when I wasn't as enthused about the possibility of
1: the Giants drafting
2: Smith, which I've come around to, and it's like—
1: Like any good team, hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game. That's why you need Indeed— indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on indeed match your job description faster only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your indeed dashboard according to talent nest indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply.
3: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff.
2: It showed all the players with his BMI and all the players who have his type of frame that have succeeded, and it ends basically no one like it he would be a legit outlier to succeed. But also you probably watched the film of those guys and no one's creating separation like Smith. No one looks as fluid in space like Smith. No one has those nuances of game. No one's working as hard. like all those other things that went into making those receivers who they were are not similar or comparable to Smith. There's just too many other factors than just like looking at one small thing and saying, because of this, a guy cannot be successful. I'd rather bet on someone who looks like an outlier to actually be an outlier rather than relying on that type of data. So I'll start by saying that. I'll also say, as far as like the whole X conversation goes, we both agree he's probably better as a Z. Like that's what Calvin Ridley is in that Falcons offense. And I kind of feel when I watch Smith, people are kind of overthinking it like they did Ridley. I remember Ridley came into that class early on. Everyone's like, this guy creates separation with ease. He's an easy first round pick, should be top 15. Then they're like, oh, his pro day sucked or his combine sucked. He doesn't have the speed, he can't jump. You know what? We don't like him. He should be a second round, third round pick. The Falcons were smart enough to be like, screw all that, we're trusting the tape. And we'll take him at the back end of round one. And this guy obviously won't go back into round one. He, in my opinion, is a better prospect than Ridley personally. Um, but I feel like there's a little bit of overthink. Because when you watch that national championship game, like you said, he put the team on his back in the first half. He's the reason Alabama was dominating that game or, you know, had a nice lead and had a good chance to win that game because of him. He was the, obviously the weird injury, the pinky injury or whatever it was, the finger injury held him back from that second half, but he was dominant. So, And I just want to say one thing as far as the X roll thing goes, because I agree he would be a Z. He did play X in Alabama's offense when they had those two first-round picks on there with, um well, I'm forgetting his name, the Raiders dude. Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, and then with um, uh, Jerry Judy. So obviously he has done it before, but I want to talk about one strength before we get into his weaknesses that I thought was really interesting that you brought up. It's the fact that he has a lot better ball skills in the air than people give him credit for. They look at a player like this, maybe just a speed guy or a guy who is a great route runner, but really his contested catch rate was unbelievable and he was really good in that regard and I think it shows up on film so talk a little bit more about that
3: oh his ability to just high point the ball I mean he has some of the best tracking and just catching ability in this draft class to be honest you throw it up to him in one on one coverage he like I said plays a lot bigger than his frame and he just jumps up and high points the ball and he has that kind of acrobatic catch ability he definitely possesses that and he showed it throughout the entire season you can go back to 2019 he has plays that are very acrobatic as well and I think that's really just due to two things that's just tracking the football when it's in the air getting your head around not losing momentum while you're running using good timing to kind of get your head around and locate the ball and then just concentration once that ball is in the air you can concentrate there's a lot of stuff going around you can catch the ball through traffic you have soft hands and he possesses all of those things and kind of puts it into his wheelhouse and employs it every saturday and i think that's going to be something that will be translatable on sunday as well yeah and
2: just looking at some of the deep stats they i'm sorry the advanced stats they back it up he led the nation with 15 receptions for 589 yards on passes that were thrown 20 plus yards on deep passes he had 11 contested catches according to pro football focus which was tied for the fifth best in the nation he only had 10 career drops on 306 targets. Like the concentration is there. He doesn't drop passes. He has so much ability in open space. Obviously, we've talked all about that. The overall, like, raw stats are there for him as well. Number one in screen yards, number one in the deep yards, like we talked about, and the deep catches, slot yards fifth. He had 100 yards in seven of his final eight games in college. He had 700 plus yard games before those final eight games. He scored at least two times in seven of his final eight games, which I thought, I saw that side, I was like, are you kidding me? At least two touchdowns in seven of his last eight games, four of those against ranked opponents, including obviously the college football playoffs. I mean, 8.2 yards per cat or after the catch per reception, top 20 in the nation, i with the exception of maybe what you said before and we'll get into it in a second which is like will his size and maybe lack of frame strength whatever you want to call it lead to physical corners bullying him at the next level i guess off the line of scrimmage we don't don't both don't really see as too much of an issue i don't really see many flaws in smith's game but i want to get into what you saw as potential weaknesses in his game after watching his tape
3: honestly there's not a ton of flaws yeah. i mean athletically he's very very good i would say to excellent he's not jalen waddle in terms of that explosiveness quick twitch and burst right but he's still really really athletic and then the size thing like i said it didn't affect him against press that didn't come up all that much on the film but at the same time he, i can see why people are going to be concerned about a 170 pound receiver who might go in the top 10 that is light and you're talking about some big physical nfl players hitting him what you know 15 times a game in terms of getting tackled if he gets 15 balls right. in his hands so that that is a lot to kind of to look at these are grown men and i know the sec is the is the best comparison of, of the biggest type of most physical athletes at the, in the collegiate game but, I mean, there's still some concern there, and I think that's fair to levy that concern. But you have to look at the player's traits and what he was able to do at college and what and what could be translatable to the NFL. And from a skill set standpoint, I think there's a lot of things that are translatable. But I don't really know when people say, oh, you know, he'll get in the weight room. And, like, I don't know if he's going to be able to put on weight, man. Like, No, not with that frame. Doesn't obviously, Alabama tried. Like, he was there yeah. for four years, you know. And Alabama's one of the pristine and premier college programs so I don't think it's going to be one of those easy things oh yeah he'll get to the NFL put on weight weight it's one of those like 1 plus (laughs) 1 equals 2 type of things but I don't think it's that simple it's not
2: even close to that simple you look at his frame that's not a frame that's going to carry much more weight I think he's going to be a worse player if he tries to bulk up and put on 10 pounds I hope that's not what any team asks him to do personally i hate when you see those offseason articles of teams being like can we uh go ahead and ask this guy to put on 10 pounds of weight you these guys always come back and they're worse players you don't want to put on weight you just have to you know and it doesn't really help your game at all i don't think his game needs the weight i think it's what you said can he hold up the nfl level i think he can Obviously, that's just a wild guess. I mean, no one's going to be able to project if he's an injury prone player. I ultimately feel like injuries are i'm very like i've said before I'm very injury agnostic. I don't think they're easy to predict. I don't buy into all the injury predictor both b s like Jalen Waddle was more injured than Devontae Smith, despite the fact that he has the frame that looks like it shouldn't be more injured so so maybe. Devontae Smith has denser bones, which no one's able to like, you know what I mean? But it's true. Like no one's able to judge some of what really matters when it comes to injuries, like the bone structure and things of that nature and luck, pure luck. Like you plant your foot one way on a random play and now you have a torn ACL. So it's just like, I don't know. I just don't want to get into any of that because I just don't love it that much. But I get it. It's a definite concern. But before we dive into some other things with Devontae Smith, I want to go over just the raw stats real quick. What I loved a lot about his raw stats was that he played ten games over the last two seasons against top twenty-five opponents. So these are opponents that finished the season ranked in the AP top twenty-five. In those ten games, he had seventeen touchdowns. He had uh, over what was it thirty? Or sorry, thirteen hundred seventy-eight yards and on, on seven? Or I'm sorry, on eighty receptions, eighty receptions, thirteen seventy and seventeen TDs in ten games against top twenty-five opponents. I mean, he shows up for those biggest games. He has that in my mind, like I compared it to LeBron James. I felt like I was watching LeBron James of the game during that national championship game. I really did feel like that. He was totally dominating the game. It looked like no, and like you said before, like we've talked about this off pod, he was facing a nice matchup against that Ohio State defense. They weren't playing him the right way. Like you said, there was a play, he had tough Borland on him, <laughs> which obviously Borland. you don't like, you can't put tough Borland on Devontae Smith. He had some plays matched up with Sean Wade, who's also obviously not anywhere near NFL level on the boundary. How crazy is it that,
3: literally two drafts ago everyone would be like oh next year Sean Wade is yeah, gonna be a top 10 happens, pick man. and he had a terrible 2020 man it happens. I don't know if he'll even
2: go in like the fifth round, fourth, fifth round honestly draft.
3: yeah, it was that was one of the most horrendous like downfalls. But you know what there was a kid I don't know if yeah. you'll remember his name. there was a corner from Florida State like two years ago who was big, physical type of corner, and everyone was like, "This guy's going to be a, I think his name last name was McFadden or something. Oh I remember that dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like always oh, go top 10, and then like his next season was terrible, and I think he fell he might have been Undrafted for agent at the San Francisco yeah. 49 he Kansas hasn't made State. it yet. No obviously not, man. it's, yeah. it's crazy, man. it's it's a, cr-
2: it's a cruel world. It's a cruel world. All right. Before we get into some potential fits with the Giants, where we see him in that regard, I've seen some people talk about his hand size being an issue nine and three eighth ancient, sorry, nine and three eighth inches. I personally, when I watch him, think he has some of the better ball skills and ability in contested catch situations in this class. They don't seem like an issue to me when I watch him. We already talked about the fact that, what, he has just six, or I'm sorry, 10 career drops on 306 targets so i don't see it at
3: all do you think the hand size is an issue for him i always believe that hand the bigger the hands the better but he i can't say for certain because he didn't drop a lot of right. passes man he was just so good and he made such great those types of those great acrobatic type of catches so i'm trying to look up somebody who has comparable hand size but sure. <laughs> i actually uh, typed in hunter renfro because i remember he had the tiniest hands but he had seven and seven eighth-inch hands with oh my was in the zero percentile. And that's somebody who doesn't drop a lot of passes either. Right. I'm still a big believer that, that the bigger hands, the better, but I still think you could overcome that with excellent concentration and mm-hmm. just a natural ability of catching the football with soft hands.
2: Two things that Smith certainly displays on yeah, film. Yeah. And that will certainly translate to the next level. So I think if you're looking for like Smith, for me at least, before we dive into where we see him potentially for the Giants, I think he is a lot like, you know, one of those prospects who does everything very well, but then I also feel like he has the elite trait, and that elite trait for me would just be how loose he looks, how fluid he looks in all of his movements, before the catch, after the catch, at the catch point, beating the, the man coverage off the line of scrimmage, any way you look at it, he's just ridiculously fluid and fluidity i don't really think can be tested that well or anything like that or measured in any way i just feel like you see it and you know it with him
3: yeah there's that i mean you can test your agilities with the short shuttle and obviously the three cone but in terms of just route smoothness route smoothness that's why they have you run all those drills at the combine and at your pro day they have you run routes is they want to see how fluid you are in a practical sense and that's what i mean it looks like when you watch the tape for devonta smith it's practical he's running routes against competition against sec guys and he's exploding in and out of his breaks and hitting full stride selling a vertical and then just quickly chopping his feet and coming back and it's just like holy crap that was so quick how did he do that how did he decelerate that fast and explode back towards the quarterback on like a deep curl or a comeback route after showing the cornerback hey i'm going vertical with my long strides and then that gets the cornerback obviously stumbling and fumbling to get back and not get beat deep i mean it's something that smith just has in his game he has in his arsenal right now and and that's something that is obviously translatable to the next level
2: without a doubt and i think matt Harmon, those of you might know him he's actually somebody i started in this industry in the fantasy industry with a long time ago before his breakout he's the creator of reception perception where he basically uses eight games sample size of film and breaks down every receiver, every route, and just kind of gives them a grade versus man coverage with every different kind of coverage based on the separation they create. It has nothing to do with if the play is successful from the quarterback standpoint or overall. And when he was talking about a player like Smith, who he loves as well, he says a lot of times we overthink it with these smaller players. And and some of his best calls in reception perception have been Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, calvin ridley those three are three of his best calls ever Allen robinson's one of them too doesn't fit the profile i'm going to say but when you look at Diggs, when you look at ridley when you look at tyler lockett all of these guys have said similar issues coming out of college are they fast enough straight line are they big enough But what they are and what they were able to do is win consistently against man coverage. And remember, 96-1 grade for Devontae Smith against man. You cannot guard him in man because of their route running, because of their fluidity, because of how smooth they are off the line of scrimmage with their footwork and with the nuances of their game. So I have very few concerns with Smith translating to the next level, which leads me to my next question as we dive into it, Nick. Is Smith a player who you would like the Giants to take at 11
3: overall? Yes. I mean, I I won't. There are players that I like more honestly, and I look at, like, the Rashawn Slaters of the world, obviously, Pene Sewell, I look at them, and I'd rather the Giants bolster their offensive line. But if Devonta Smith is there at 11 and they go Devonta Smith, I'll probably just say, okay, all right, nice. So we got this long-term receiver who I believe can help this offense with Jason Garrett, and you really just surrounded Daniel Jones with everybody that he needs. I do believe that you— Skill position-wise. Skill position-wise, yes. I do believe that you could probably allocate that pick to a— to a different position that may be a better need, and there may be even people on the board that I would have higher than Devonta Smith, but I still think he is an excellent player, and I think that he was going to work in the NFL and we'll probably get into wide receiver rankings after you answer the same question
2: yeah for me Smith's moved up my board I'm going to be happy with the pick if it ultimately is Smith. I am starting to have this weird feeling that the Dolphins will take Smith at 6 as the first receiver off the board, and then this even weirder feeling that Jamar Chase will be on the board at 11. i really am starting to feel it.
3: That'd be awesome. <laughs> I
2: just don't see many teams between 7 and 10 who are going to take a receiver. I see a 0% chance the Cowboys or Broncos will take a receiver with those picks, and there's two other teams, none of who I think are really in desperate to receive. Like I don't really see the Panthers doing it either, so I don't know. We'll see. I just feel like the receivers are going to drop further than people think in this class, just like last class when they were all expected to go top 10 and none. None of them went top 10, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But yes, I'd be happy with Smith at 11. I've really come around to him. Obviously I'm with you that I would prefer Sewell over him and I would also prefer Slater over him. But when it comes to Slater versus Smith, like I think a case can be made that you'd be getting the better, best overall player if you took Smith, but the positional importance is just too high to me, and the fact that they just can go nowhere without an O-line is too high to me, and I just feel like legitimately, in Slater's case, he'd be a weapon for the offensive line. Like You have him in space, and he's now a weapon for Saquon Barkley. You have him in front of Barkley, he's helping Barkley. He's not only helping Jones, he's helping Barkley. So... I would still go those two. I'd probably go no defensive player over Smith. I'll start by saying that. Parsons is the only one I would consider, but I don't think he's really in the Giants' plans, and I've kind of just... I am starting to feel like I'm not as sure as I used to be on an off-ball linebacker so high. I don't know why. Maybe I'm getting swayed by all of the, you know, reading and all the... I don't know buzz I guess you pick up along the way from just doing this every day until draft season and until the draft like during draft season you read so much content and you start to see so many teams or so many people you respect who are less interested by using a a, a pick with such a high draft cap but like number 11 overall in a class where maybe three four five quarterbacks go first on an off-ball linebacker so I think for Parsons for me it would come down to if the Giants feel in their system he can be a big-time contributor not just next to Blake but also off the edge and that's something that I guess is more of a projection I don't know something we can get to at some point with Parsons as well but so for me I'd probably take him over every defensive player but let's get to the next one Jalen Waddle Devontae Smith are both on the board Pitts is gone Chase is gone who are you taking there Jalen Waddle still so why do you so what what do you what are your reason what's your reason for having Waddle over Smith
3: for me it's Jalen Waddle has a difference making trait that Smith just does not have and that is that elite explosiveness and he shows similar Types of traits in the route running, the ability to make contested catches, the mm-hmm. ability to high point the ball, body adjustment, control. He has similar traits to Smith in that area, but Smith just doesn't have that. I could take the top off the defense and just scare the ever-living crap out of the defense. And Jalen Waddle does. So I would put Jalen... Jalen close to Jamar Chase for me. That's very close. Devonta Smith's kind of my distant third.
2: Okay, that's interesting. I, I would also dig Waddle over Smith. I think for all these three, though, I've kind of... I've, I'm have i less so uh, than I ever was on Jamar Chase being my clear-cut one. Yeah, yeah I think they're fair. all kind of in the group now. Because there are, are a lot of... I just listen to a lot of NFL cornerbacks talk about these receivers. And they just don't talk about Chase the same way they talk about guarding like these type of guys. And speed to me... I don't know. It's tough because I, I generally love the Chase types. But then you, you listen to all these people talk about what's hardest to cover. And it's these guys. So I don't know. I think it's all three of them are really good choices for the Giants. I think all three of them are three of the 10 best players in this class, non-QBs. And I think if you're at 11, your number one goal should be to get one of the best players in this class. Of course, that has to be in a class where like quarterbacks are going off the board. If there's a no quarterback class, for example, like a Blake Gab- Blaine Gabbert type year or whatever, you might not be able to get a blue chip at 11. You might just have to settle for a mid-range guy. And then you could take like the best defensive edge if you want to try to outsmart like the class or whatnot. But in this situation, I just feel like take the best player.
3: Honestly, and it makes me think too, because I want to throw Kyle Pitts into this equation right now. Where would he fall in this?
2: For me, uh, Pitts is the first player by far of any of the four. For me,
3: yeah, I sh- I struggle to to be honest with that. Yeah. I think I think tight or... I think I would have him won- not not necessarily because he's yeah. a tight end. I think I would have him one because I I mean I believe Jamar Chase is the. Is the faster type of player, more explosive type of player, and I know he just uh, Pitts just ran like a four four or something, yeah. which is absolutely insane. <laughs> but the way Pitts wins in contested catch situations and the way he adjusts to the football, he has like similar tracking traits that yes. Devonta Smith has, you know. So I Kyle Pitts would probably be one for me, but uh, I don't think it's as clear cut, and it's definitely something that I'm going to give myself the permission to flip flop. <laughs> me too. I want the permission <laughs> to
2: flip flop on this too because all four of them to me are amazing. Like yes, yes. I thought originally, maybe I'd have Smith last, but it's not. <laughs> not really like that at all for me they're all just like in this group so high Smith is also unbelievable if the Giants get any of these four players they're really adding so much you come into this season with Galladay, Barkley and Smith Waddle Chase or Pitts on an offense it's so different than what they were playing with at the end of last year like the film we're watching like that doesn't mean they're going to be amazing just because they have skill talent, like look at the Broncos last year, they had a ton of skill talent. They were one of the worst offenses in the NFL because Drew Locke wasn't very good, and that's just kind of what happened there. Yeah, like I say, their offensive <laughs> line was it line wasn't even bad. Like yeah. the Garrett Bowles who played his career year and got a contract because of it, and then the rest of their line is like okay, it's probably yeah. more like mid range versus what the Giants were, which was, like close to dead last. And yet Drew Locke just couldn't keep them on schedule. And he had injuries as well. That's not take that completely out of the factor. Yeah. i think he was playing through a shoulder injury which can't be good for a quarterback i don't think on your thrown shoulder but regardless they had all the talent. it doesn't mean you're going to be great but what it does mean is the giants won't really in my mind you take one of these four you don't have to really invest anything crazy in skill position for a long time like even if you let ingram walk you still have to whatever happens with barkley happens but like galladay smith and or galladay waddle or galladay pitts and slayton that's a good core for me. Even if Slayton doesn't work out, you get somebody in the third, fourth round later in this draft or the next draft. I don't know. I just feel like I'm more open than I usually am towards skill player at eleven. I think it's mostly because of how the class shakes out. There's just no great defensive prospects in this class.
3: There really isn't that many great ones. I think Micah Parsons would classify, but it's he didn't best. he didn't play in twenty twenty right. and he I mean, it sounds like the The character things, which is something you and I can't really weigh in on, but there's just, like, people talking about it who are a little bit more close with the program that it might be a bigger issue than what we originally anticipated, so that's definitely something that I don't feel like is going to appeal to Judge and Gettleman, but like we said the Giants have the inside track on a lot of that with Spence and good old Pat Flaherty on the roster but it just doesn't seem as likely there's a lot of reports and like I said it's smokescreen season but you still there's a lot of reports coming out about Dave Gettleman's affinity for guys like Devonta Smith and right. Jalen Waddle, and they fit the profile for Dave Gettleman they fit the profile for Joe Judge they really do Alabama ties both incredibly hard workers insatiable football characters mm-hmm. just can't get enough to eat breathe live football you know so I mean it's it's going to be interesting and with. all that said and while i love those players on the giants i still man that offensive line dude like i'm still like have my yeah. My hope in a Could ruin the whole season. slide yeah. and, and a, or a Rashawn Slater or something like that. Same.
2: I don't, want, I don't have my hope in it, Nick, just because of, I'm like biased and I'm listening to all this bullshit I've been reading that says the Giants aren't even interested at tackle and aren't even considering tackle. For some reason, I've now like let that cloud my judgment and I believe these dumbass reports that probably aren't true. Well,
3: well at the same <laughs> time, though, I don't think that that's dumb of you because think about it. Dave Gettleman's like, I just spent two top 100 picks on the tackle yeah. position last year and we brought Nate Solder back. Why would I invest in the tackle? For me, it's more about the guard and I think those guys are both interchangeable with guards but the Giants could go with the receiver and then at 42 they could end up selecting right. a guard or something like right, that potentially a Wyatt Davis or, yeah. or something like that or even if a Creed Humphrey was a center but if he falls that far something along those landon ones. Dickerson there's right. going to be some definite options there they're gonna go Alabama Alabama <laughs> yeah
2: Bama Bama you know they won't hesitate to go Bama Bama and I think it's not just really based on the reports just to be clear it's also based on I believe Gettleman has simply has this very ABC approach to building a roster. And it's like, he started by saying, I want to get a gold jacket player when he had his first draft pick. And he got Saquon Barkley. Then he started by saying, I want to build the run. I want to be able to run the ball and stop the run. So what does he do? He gets uh will hernandez in the second round he gets bj hill he trades for uh dexter lawrence i'm sorry he trades for leonard williams and he drafts dexter lawrence at 17 he does those things then he says i want to find a quarterback that i can go off retire to cape cod with knowing i got the giants my guy so he finds his guy daniel jones he takes him at six when no one thinks that it's a class that has two quarterbacks that should go in the top six next year he says i want to protect my quarterback he gets andrew Thomas. this year he said i want to find playmakers for my quarterback i don't think he's done with kenny galladay so for that reason alone, I feel like they're kind of out of that market of protecting the quarterback and more in the market of finding playmakers for the quarterback based on the the Gettleman tea leaves. We'll see what happens. Who knows? But I will say this as far as the defensive prospects go. I would put one more guy in there. That'd be Patrick Sertan. But uh, ultimately, it just feels like now with the Adore Jackson signing, plus you have Bradbury, it doesn't seem likely they're going to take a Sertan, even if they had him ranked like three on their big board and he was there at eleven. Where are you going to play these? I mean, it's never bad to have too many great corners, but, like, you could kick one of them into the slot, I'm sure. Like, you could probably play a Dory in the slot, and that would be pretty cool. But then you bury Darnay set for dime packages and when people get injured, I don't know. It just seems like, let's let Darnay grow. Let's continue to give him the snaps. And I think the Giants will go in that direction
3: as thing, well. The thing you and I were talking about with the corner position too was, hey, we're fine with Julian Love. We just don't want him to be the surefire starter. Yes. Now they got that surefire starter under Jordan Jackson. And now he could be the three.
2: Yeah, that's another great point. We already have that, in a sense, in Love. Not to say they're comp- he's comparable to Sertan, but just a nice little depth piece. Same with the item. I mean, like we've already seen like if we need, to patrick graham can throw the item in play a lot of zone and be not not great but fine yeah to where he wants to be so definitely cool stuff uh, i think that's all we have for on smith no real questions coming in in the ratings recently so i will just repeat uh read a couple recent reviews that have made me happy to see let's start with bercavio who actually upgraded us to a four-star ranking can you believe it Bracavio came out and this might have been post um, where was it? There was a Sparkavio spite review that I read on the last one that I'm now I'm not finding right now. This Sparkavio spite review here it is from Bw Boy Wonders spite reviewed Barkavio just because Barkavio decided to write a review, a negative one, for and give us two stars for literally no reason. According to according to B Boy Blue. I stand by that. I agree with him. There was no reason for it. But, yeah, you know, so we came in. But here comes Barcavio. He listened to the Aziz Ojolari, so he's still listening. He says, good show and analysis of Ojolari. I don't even mind that I got a couple mentions. Although, for your own sake, you should learn to take the criticism more in stride. And I will say that. To this, I will say that Barcavio we're having fun here. We're joking around. We don't care that much about you giving us a two star. We think it's funny. We've heard some feedback from listeners. They enjoy this type of content. So we're rolling with it. So just relax, Porcavio. But um, let's move on to a couple other new reviews. Coop is the poop said this is it. Yes, this is it. No need to go anywhere else. If you're a Giants fan, this podcast is exceptional. These guys talk real G men football and do an outstanding job being informative, opinionated and entertaining. So there's a long review here. Thank you for writing that all up. Coop is the poop. That was 5 stars. And here's another one from juani juani says best giants and draft podcast i stumbled into the show unexpectedly when a friend suggested a draft profile of a prospect in quotation or i'm sorry in parentheses Rashawn slater i was interested in learning more about i'm a giants fan but wasn't a fan of podcasts barely listened to any now i can't stop listening i'm going back through the whole all season log so much great content it's crazy any giants or draft fan should be listening to this now thank you juan Ju- i'm sorry juani thank you All right, that's all the time we have for on today's show. Thanks again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.